Bitch in Berlin. Bitch in Berlin. What have I been up to this week? Let's find out. Performance. And I have, I did this uh, spoken word piece called My Body. And it's all about my body is this, my body is that, my body has a mind of its own, my body is 16 or 60, you know, you don't touch, you ask, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a line saying my body, white or black or yellow or purple or brown or blue, you know. And then um, at the end of the show, I had this girl coming up to me and said, can I speak to you for a second? Oh, wow. I'm like, whoa, what the hell, you know. Yeah. It was a queer uh, show, you know, and I was like, you know, she said, well, you know, one of the lines in your poem really, like, triggered me off. I'm like, oh, yeah, which one? Oh, the one where you're speaking for us. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, oh, yeah, wait, the one, you're not, you're not yellow. You know, right. she, she was of Asian descendancy, obviously. Um, I'm like, no, I'm not saying I'm yellow. It was colours. I mean, Because yeah, you also to, said purple. But I said purple and I said blue. Why yeah. don't you get mad about me saying purple? Because, you know, you, I'm just feeling that your body is not brown. It's not black. I'm like, I don't pretend to be. I said my body, I was just trying to be inclusive. We all share experiences. Yeah. And I was just trying to be, I, I didn't want to just say my body white, do not touch. I wanted to say, you know, my body this or that or that. It doesn't matter who I am. Take me seriously and don't touch. Doesn't yeah, matter if it's what color it is. And she was offended, but she said, "You're speaking for me. You're not yellow, and you. I'm sick of white women speaking for I I'm, I'm not speaking for you. I have an opinion, yeah. and that's I have a creative power, and this is my my decision uh, to to put in. I'm not saying I'm this or that. I'm not speaking for you. I'm just trying to be inclusive and sharing an experience. And yeah. it's my right to have an opinion, and it's my right to stand up against a lot of uh, injustice and racism. I said, this is the only way we're going to get over this. And she was saying, but you're not yellow. She kept saying to me, yeah. and I said, but I'm not blue either. Why don't you, you know, and I have another line in my yeah. poem. I'm 60. I'm not 60 either. Why don't you get mad about that? When I'm saying my body, binary or not, or straight or veiled or pious. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you get it's mad? Context. So it's context. Because she said, well, you, are you racist by saying the color yellow? I, that triggered her off. Yeah. And then at the end of the conversation, she goes to me, well, I'm not yellow anyway. I don't see myself as yellow. I said, "Well, what, what's, what are we, what are we having this conversation then for?" It's very interesting. You know, and she, and that really completely upset me because I was thinking, I put this poem across. It's so empowering, you know. And all she could see was this line that was yeah. politically incorrect in her eyes. I had said brown. I said black. No one else. There was a lot of uh, people, the girls of color there who weren't offended, who were like, wow, this was powerful, this was amazing, what you just said. Mm. And then you have this girl, she's really young. I'm not blaming it on her age, but maybe I am. Because she only saw that line in the whole yeah. poem, and that's what triggered her, and she got upset, and she didn't see the bigger picture. And I think that's the problem we have these days. There's this trigger terms, or there's this, this political correctness um, fascists who impose and kind of telling you, you shouldn't be saying that. You have no right to say that. It's yeah. like, well, I'm. I have a right to have an opinion. Yeah, and that sure. is my opinion. I'm not speaking for you. I'm not standing up for you. I'm not, you know, appropriating your culture. I'm just including the, you it's know, very and their colors too. I'm not. I wasn't even talking about race. Why no, you, you no. You know, I was talking about the color of the body. You know, or the differences of in a body. You know, it doesn't matter what you are, this or that. You know. Um, 
take me seriously, it's a body, doesn't matter what color it has, it deserves the same respect. That was my intention. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it was more of a discussion of, you know, how to make it clear. I think it's, I think, I think it's an issue of, this is how I see it, that like for so long it was like, you know, nothing could be said and now people have more freedom yeah. to say things, but it's kind of like, is trying to make rules like very clear yeah. rules and we're on not the enemy that, how are we the enemy yeah. we're on the same side and that's yeah. what i said to her well, we're on yeah. the same side we are collective here it's a collective no one looks at this collective as you know uh, dominated by white people because it's not you know mm. look at it everyone's diverse everyone's so different here yeah in their practices in their in their origins in their identity in how they see themselves you know we're a collective and that's it's us against the mainstream okay so yes how do you say your last name uh bila gunter bila gunter that's right it's a it's, double name it's a double name yeah. yeah yeah i saw that is it so because you're Australian. Yeah. But your name... Well, my sounds... father's uh, Romanian. Okay. So the Bila comes from... That's my maiden name. And Gunther is my married name. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I thought I'll keep both because it would have been a real stress changing all my documents just to be Gabby Gunther. And I didn't want to be Gabby Gunther. I didn't want to sound so German, even though the whole Bila Gunther sounds very German. But I thought with the Bila... In the middle might sound a little bit more less more Eastern European as well. Okay, I love Berlin. You know, even yeah. though it's changing all the time, what that's what I love about it. That is changing. It's not like standing still. When yeah. it's always stimulating here, but people change. People come and go, I suppose, and that's what makes the art scene here so interesting. Because it is so very many interesting. Yeah, new people come, they present, they go. Others come. It's always this transit, and. I guess sometimes it's a little bit sad. I get sad when people, I get to know people and then they go back to mm. wherever they came from or they move somewhere else. Mm. And that's what's sad about Berlin, I find. Yeah. That, you know, you make friendships and then these people disappear because they're not living here or they coming back only once every, you know. So these friendships that you have here, they're hard to keep because people always move. And I haven't moved, you know. I'm here still. <laughs> So it's not like that in Melbourne? No, I mean, no. it's so far away. I mean, people come and they yeah. stay, you know. And also people, not, not many new people come. When I was living there in the late 90s, um, it, it was like, yeah, I, I met new people because I was away, obviously, from there for six years. I met new people, but then that's it. You don't meet new people all the time mm -hmm. like you do here. And the art scene is very small. The audience is very small there. And um, so you're constantly performing to the same people, the same entourage, you know. And right, it's sort it, of yeah. boring after a while, after for like yeah. four or five years. It's like, my God, it's like constantly you go to a poetry gig and, or a spoken word or anything and you know exactly who's going to be there. Right. It's predictable. So that's what really bored me about the Melbourne scene. That's interesting. Scene. Because I was like, well, you know, it's like time to do something else. Time to have new bloody, new input, new... And the festivals, they're always the same. It's not like here, there's a new festival every month, you know, or that's something. Oh, and of course, you have these ongoing so festivals, but in Melbourne, you had the Fringe, you had the Next Wave, you had the Melbourne Festival. So you, you had these set things which mm. are coming every year. And after a few years, you exactly know how they're going to turn right. out. You I know see. exactly how, what's going to be. So it was, you know, and plus 
Melbourne, Sydney are very, very far from each other. Sydney is the other big city that you could go on performing, but they're so far a thousand kilometers away. So it wasn't that easy to sort of well, get shows in Sydney or Perth. Yeah. was like, oh, not that I ever wanted to go there, but Adelaide was the other one that was kind of a little bit more arty, but that was also far away. So yeah. pretty much she just performed in Melbourne, tried to perform around the towns around, but there would be like five people showing up. Or, right, okay. You know, so it's like, hmm, you know, you just pretty much, it's just because Australia is a new country, as in white country, you know. Uh, of course, it's an old country, but the indigenous yeah. population is very, very separate. And um, so, and also I think Australia just really suffers from its lack of identity. So they don't really believe in, they don't have a culture. Their culture is really like, you know, comes from the migrants and they ignore the indigenous culture, which really should be their yeah. main culture that they celebrate because that's really older than even European culture. But then they, you know, but then they have through the migrants, that's the culture that they have, but they don't really have a culture of their own, the Australians, because they I started mean, off as, as prisoners and, yeah, sure. you know, migrants. And Has there been an attempt to, like, do more of the Indigenous people? or um, Yeah, I think, it... yeah. Well, I haven't been back in 17 years, so I'm sure things have changed and have gotten better. And uh, But at the time I was living there, it was like completely, you know, it was at the time when nobody even apologised for the stolen generation. There was no reconciliation uh, plans. Well, it was all in the making, but um, it was very... And also Australia was getting very, very corporate at the time in the like late 90s with the new millennium coming. So, right, yeah. you know, there was other things on their platter and rather than promote arts, promote culture. And they're not really that interested. They, they, they think it's, it's everything's profit-making. So if something doesn't make profit, then the government doesn't actually... In, support this or there's not much money into the arts right you know even the art school was suffering even the art school that was actually producing some of australia's best filmmakers best artists international artists um what are you looking for clicky dicks okay <laughs> um yeah so and that's the thing so if it doesn't make profit why should we invest in it but Food makes profit, so does sports, so does sponsored, corporate-sponsored ballet and opera. That makes profit. So yeah. the kind of literary scene, the That's art scene was like a little bit on the back burner, as we would say. It's an interesting one, this idea of money. I mean, how, how do you, because you've seen both, um, and I guess England is somewhere in between, yeah. I guess. It's definitely yeah. not as arty as Berlin. Right. Like, not even London, I would yeah. say. It's different. It's more corporate yeah. style. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what would you say, like, how, if if an art, if a place doesn't have an art scene, how it affects society? Well, basically, people grow to be totally, how do I say this, without a soul. The, something that mm. doesn't have arts, It's there's no soul there. There's no forward thinking. There's no progression in thinking in doing stuff and I think as artists we you know we we show politics in a different light you mm. know and we uh, educate people I suppose about you know how it could be um, but um, yeah I think it would be a really poor poor country or poor place without arts without anything that's just 
that's different to just going to work every day, money making, and you're going to see events which are like profit making, like all these festivals that they have, which are quite mainstream, which are great. That's great for the mainstream. But yeah, imagine like you wouldn't have movements starting off, new philosophies, new new thinkers, you yeah. know, without, without the artists, you know. So I think it would be a really desolate place. Yeah, and you, know? you see that more in Melbourne. I see that in Melbourne, how people tick, how people think and what their priorities are. You know, for example, priorities, you know, because it's such a consumerism uh, society, you know, aimed at consumerism, aimed at like, you know, the Australian dream, for example, you know, you've got to get a house and when you have a house, you've got to have kids. Kids, and when you have kids, yeah. you gotta get a car with two cars, and then you know it's always yeah. this this forward thinking, like this push for you to consume and for you not to better yourself, but to better your status as in materialism. Yeah, sure. You know, so I see that happening to a lot of my friends. Yeah. And if you're not interested, that's fine. If that's what they want to do, I'm not like you know judging. But if you don't want to be part of that, then where's your place? You know, whereas yeah, in Berlin, sure. I think we have places for yeah. people who care more about culture, who care about, you know, forwarding themselves by their thinking, by traveling rather than working and then just to have a bigger house, to buy a house, then you have a mortgage. Then you have all these other things which, you know, which are basically attached to materialism, capitalism and consumerism, not so much about cultural thinking and also critical of politics you know Australia kind of lacks that I guess the new generation are much more into that now but when I was there people just were really how do I say this innate innate or they weren't really involved with politics they just accepted things as they were because also the media is very one-sided you know run by Murdoch so you have you don't really have a diversity of facts and you know things that kind of presented to you and people just come home watch tv or read the the daily tabloids which are not really fair to anything that's going on in the world they don't even tell you what's going on so people are very very um how do i say this i guess with the internet now of course it's not the same but i'm talking about when i was living there I guess with the internet now people can get themselves educated but still the mainstream thinking in Australia is we build we build we you know we consume we make our lives better by becoming richer as in not richer in thinking or but richer by having things accumulating things and it's, it's, a, it's a rough country I mean it's a big country you yeah. know it doesn't it's not like Europe where you have you know rivers everywhere and you know and and oceans and i mean you have of course we have an ocean but it's like you know the country is so huge so i guess people you know had to had to start from the beginning you know build roads build factories build an infrastructure you know so i mean i think in that way australia's gone a long way but the thing is at the cost of the environment i mean that environment has been so destroyed much more so in the last 200 years than ever I mean, with the indigenous people always took care of the environment and of nature. They never really consumed. There was nothing there. They consumed what was on the land. They knew how to deal with droughts and, you know, bushfires mm. and that kind of stuff um, compared to how we're doing it now. Now we're mining in places where, you know, there's like an ecosystem that's been around for millions of years and we go in there and mine them, you know, and the, the profits go in somebody's pocket not in the whole country or not in the you know community around that you know they go in some corporate you know manager's pocket and the owner of the mining company or you know so this is how things get done you know 
I wonder, do you know if there's much documentation of what it was like for people when they first, like, uh, when they went over to Australia? Um, I'm sure there is. I'm yeah. sure there's journals. Um, I know there's, like, uh, even through poetry and, like, stories of writers. I can't think of any right now but um but yeah there are there are journals and kind of essays and i think through you know um also the impressionistic art like a lot of painters in australia and especially around melbourne area um were kind of like depicting life how it was uh then um so i guess through some of the pictures some of the um, but i would say yeah just like journals from probably from and through maybe literature, um, yeah, just kind of researching history books, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be interesting because, yeah. you know, I mean, some went over to Australia with a program and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any so, relatives who went? No, I don't, no. but okay. I, I, whenever I hear about it, it's like, especially when it was prisoners, like, imagine, like, you know, that's your punishment, but then yeah. they kind of just made a new society. Yeah, yeah. And, like... Once they got freed, a lot of genocide happened. I mean, there was a lot of uh, the whites very scared of the indigenous population, so a lot of them got killed. A lot of them, all the children who were half caste, were stolen from their uh, Aboriginal mm. uh, families and taken, put into monasteries and and you know religious schools and brought up by Irish nuns. Yeah. And, and quite brutal as well, like you know, and they were told that they were white. They weren't told they were like half indigenous or a quarter indigenous. There was a lot of that, and there was no one knew about this until the nineties, early nineties. Like that was that's when the whole debate started to come alive and also people saying yeah well you know this happened to me and i've always felt different and people started doing research into their family backgrounds and realized that they were actually um just put into a white family as babies and uh they were raised as white people and had no idea you know so there was the stolen generation which basically only started to really surface stories and um basically they were denying that they were sort of saying no it didn't happen or if they weren't denying and saying well it was for their own good to be brought up not as like as as like you know um, beasts or barbarians because that's how they looked at the indigenous people um you know um that they were, we were doing it for their own good we wanted to educate them we wanted to but it was genocide really they wanted to wipe out any any traces of indigenous culture yeah. and bring up these people as whites it's as, interesting because you, you really know. you think it'd be more the other way around, like they're coming into their land and it'd yeah. be the well, indigenous people. Yeah. That... Well, when has the you know <laughs> when has the white people have done that in what the past? It? They've yeah, always like, taken over what, wherever this, they is were. Is there something in our DNA that just makes us do this? Well, that's what how it? it was. I mean, yeah. that was what they did. They went there, you know, yeah, and they sure, just but, thought, yeah. like, look at these people. They don't even live in homes. They don't even have roads. They don't even, you know, whatever yeah. guns, you know. So therefore, they're barbarians. So let's like they don't educate have guns, them. So they're barbarians. Yeah, <laughs> and look, look at them. Like you know, they're not even believing in God. They're believing lots of gods. They're spiritual. Mm. They they take mushrooms and whatever they use nature in order to you know have rituals and all that so i think it was also the church the catholic i mean you know as english right yeah how your government well not government but the the monarchy back then how it worked you know i heard something actually is it 
was it only English people? Because I thought it was like I knew it was a lot of English people. But someone was like, no, it's just English people that went over to Australia. Well, at the beginning, true? yes, the yes, beginning. of course. There was, yeah, it was, well, some, I thought her it was Majesty's like, land. We still I have it was the Europe, Queen. I said Europeans, like yeah. no, no, just oh, Europe, the Europeans English. came later. I mean, first of all, it was just the English people, the Irish, and of course the Chinese came also because of the gold rush. But then it was pretty much just whites. We had white Australia policy until the 50s, 60s, I think. Yeah. And then they realized that they needed labor. So in the 50s, after the Second World War, then they right. kind of opened up and said Italians and Greeks and multi-Southern Europeans can come. Then, of course, a lot of Germans were migrating because of the war and a lot of Europeans yeah. because the war wanted a better life and came to Australia. But we had no Asians until the 70s. Okay. So the white Australia policy was pretty much, you know, until the 70s, there and strong. And only opened up when Australia was involved in Vietnam. And then a lot of Vietnamese people were coming by boats to Australia, escaping yeah. the Vietnam War. So only then we started having this, like, opened up. And we realized also, because we're in Asia, so we, it's good to have... Asian migrants to also do the shitty jobs, but also for trade and, you know, uh, I think it was an economical yeah. um, decision to open up and, and now, of course, we've got like a lot of Muslims who are fleeing and, you know, we become anti-Muslim now, just like America. So, okay. you know, it's hard even to immigrate now. Like, you have to have a lot of money to be, to immigrate to Australia. You're not, like, you have to get the high, because you get points, you know, when you want to right. immigrate or become even a resident. Yeah. You have to, you know, speak English. You have to be a, a young person, very healthy. Um, you have to have a profession that Australia really wants, like, yeah. you know, whatever they need, engineers or hand workers or machine toolists or IT people, whatever, you know, they need. That's the job that, that's the most immigrants they will let in the country. Mm. That's how it operates there. Just like Canada, I guess. Canada operates the same. Yeah. I guess most countries work on some sort of yeah. basis, really, yeah. well, don't they, for immigration? Europe's, you know, I guess... Germany, Holland, all those, you know, anyone who welcome here, when they apply for asylum, is like they, you know, it's not like they have their health checked or their background right. in English and German speaking or, you know, when you immigrate to Australia, you have to speak English. They won't let you in unless yeah. you score points in speaking English or if you're unhealthy, if you're fat. Uh, I don't know, no one uses the word fat anymore, okay, overweight, um, <laughs> big, large, whatever, big bones. <laughs> All these other words. I used to say fat. You still say fat. Yeah, anyway. Old yeah, of course. Um, but anyway, yeah. so yeah, I, we knew this. It it's was funny because fat. So anyway, that, I was gonna say fat used to be like people wanted to be fat because it meant you're rich. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Africa is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because it's still uh, well, not all all of Africa, but a lot of it's poor. So yeah. it makes sense that if you can afford to be fat. And yeah, you know. <laughs> to eat, whereas you now, must have money yeah. then because you can always, buy, afford good food. Whereas yeah. now it's here, it's gone the other way where you can afford to have healthy food. So yeah, yeah, and you can yeah, be vegan. So interesting. And, yeah, it's yeah. funny, like, um, what was it, this joke I heard? Um, uh, this, I think it was like on TV, one of these um, Afro-American comedians who was saying, you know, what's the difference between a white woman and a black woman? Yeah, a white woman, if you call her fat, she's gonna slap your face yeah. a black woman if you're gonna call her fat she's gonna like, want to marry you you know because it's a compliment yeah i've heard that joke. i wonder you if know. that's still a thing because like if 
you know, you get a lot of, uh, a fair amount, I'd say more, yeah. black people that are born in Europe. Yeah. And so maybe it's changed. Yeah. Like yeah. the thing of like, you know, yeah. white people used to want to be fat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that joke is still so Relevant. could actually work so well now. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really interesting. You also because you're saying yeah because I so you work as an art teacher. Yeah. Um, actually, in one not, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually a teacher. Like I do workshops. Yeah. Like I'm an educator. I would yeah. say I wouldn't call them because it's not really teaching. I'm kind of getting the kids, and I have theme each time, and then we work with what materials there are. So you know, it's okay. more like a workshop, creative workshop. So yeah, I'm a creative educator. Do you or, get complete freedom of what you do yeah, with them? Yeah, oh, yeah, wow, nice. pretty much. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And, that's you know so this is what we I take care of like afternoon activities you know I don't oh go, okay so it's not the morning no yeah, no it's, the it's, it's not I'm you know I don't have a teaching degree but I have uh, experience as an artist yeah. in schools and working doing creative workshops with kids so, so they're all choosing to be there yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah they all that's choose best, yeah so yeah. yeah like I was doing sewing for three years um in a school and this year they didn't offer it for some reason i don't know why they probably thought they would try something different yeah. they probably thought sewing is really like old-fashioned and also only girls joined for sewing no no boys yeah. so i guess maybe they wanted to have activities which um have kind of more more of an equal amount of boys and girls but then again with creative writing i i i never had boys now this year I have two boys in each in each group, mm. you know, in the older kids group, and you know, but for years I would have one boy joining, and because he was the only boy, he would pull out after a week or two, or they just didn't trust, or they weren't interested, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, so many with the little kids I'm talking about, like primary school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you not... had little ch- girls wanting to do sewing. Yeah, I've had like yeah. you know eight nine year olds. Yeah, I was doing a sewing for three years with them, you know, That's and just teaching them how to make like you know basic techniques of sewing. Yeah. Um. No, we weren't like we weren't even using sewing machines yet. Like I thought because there was sewing one which was with the really young ones, and then there was sewing two with the older ones. So mm-hmm. the older ones would you know, already, like, such uh, using sewing machines, whereas I just taught them how to sew and how to, like, sew buttons, how to sew zips, how to, basic skills, which, you know, a lot of them took them a while to learn because they've never done it, so, you know. But then they wiped that out this year, which was a real shame because I really enjoyed that, you know. It's so useful. I sometimes wish yeah. I could sew. It's just like, oh, okay, I just you know, so try I was and find sort of, yeah. what I actually want. Yeah, well, I was teaching myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was actually, because I didn't really know how to sew that well yeah. when they offered me the workshop because another teacher went back to Canada or right. America, I'm not sure. So they said, do you want to take over? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I will learn, you know. Yeah. So I just kind of taught myself. Oh, that's cool. You know, so, and because it was the really young ones and the basic skills, I, I trusted myself. I mean, not that it's that hard to use a sewing machine either i mean i could have done the older kids but the older kids you know they want to make skirts and stuff you know they already right. make well you know I'm, I'm not really i don't know how to make things like that like patterns use i patterns. just want to know how to fix things yeah you know so i was just teaching them how to <laughs> fix things that's what i want yeah, to yeah exactly <laughs> so i was making they were making cushions we we're making pencil cases making pockets we we're making like handkerchiefs tablecloths um cushions they love making cushions it was always cushion 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 i had to buy cotton wool all the time you know from the from those 
droggery, you know, just to kind of, they love cushions and they're making cushions for themselves, for their like dolls, for their toys, for their teddy bears, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And also little clothing for their, for their toys too. They like doing that. So, yeah, but I guess, you know, there wasn't maybe, they said they might offer it again next year or the year after. I'm not sure. Let's see. Yeah. You know, but anyway. And you also, I found, you work at Funk House Berlin. Well, I have my studio there since Oh, your studio is Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't, I work there, my creative work, I do there. I don't work at Okay. Home. So when I write and okay. when I do my collages, I go there and it's okay. my, like, it's my working studio, yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I guess it's nice to have a place that's not your home. Yeah, I yeah. can't work at home. There's always something, someone dropping in. And yeah. Somebody, you know, I, I find that I have to be really away yeah. from home. I've always had a studio in Berlin. My This is my th- fourth studio. Okay. You know, I started off in Brungle Street, you know, like a small room uh, in Brungle Strasse, and then I had it at Bethanian for a year and a half, but that was too expensive and I couldn't afford it. Uh, then I had my own studio for four years uh, in Wienerstraße. They're all in Kreuzberg, so it was always right. always reachable. Yeah. This is the first time, since seven years I have it now, in Funkhaus, which is takes me about 45 minutes to get there. But it's good because when I'm there, I just work. You yeah, know, it's sure. It's like I don't get distracted. People don't just drop in or, you yeah. know, and there's, you know, and when you're there, and there's no internet there either. I only right, have internet okay. on my phone. So I don't spend a lot of time, you know, searching for things. I just, yeah, just write my text. It's so hard with the internet thing. to not be distracted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind like of good, should, a good setup. I feel like they should teach that at school. Yeah. In, I don't know. Well, somewhere. this is what we're trying to do in camps, basically. <laughs> right, okay. Like, get the kids to get away from Even their parents were saying, please, take their phones away all day long. And mm. some parents were, no, we want to be in touch with them. We want to be able to ring them in the afternoon. So it was this kind of dilemma. But we did all the activities we did with the kids was in the nature or, you know, in them using their creativity rather than internet or yeah. phones, you know. So the multimedia, of course, had to be on phones. They had to take photos and then make this stop uh, motion animation. So for like 30 seconds, they needed to take over 150 photos. So we had to give them their phones in the afternoon. But yeah. it was for a creative purpose. You know? Did you find that they were, like, checking? Were they find it hard to not just do whatever other stuff on their um, phone? Or were they no, focused? They were really focused. I cool. mean, they had, yeah. like, all of them presented a 30-second clip. And yeah. most of it, it was, all of it was amazing. There yeah. was two, there was five groups. There was two groups that just did an amazing job. I was really like, wow. And because they only had one phone mm. per group. So that was what what sort of helped. So they had oh, to I share. See. It was, they didn't have one each. So, yeah, okay, no, it yeah. was basically one or two. If the group was bigger, then they had two phones. Yeah, but it, you know. they couldn't just check their messages. Yeah, no, they couldn't. <laughs> and also the internet there was pretty crappy in right, the forest. Okay. That's, that was luck. Yeah. You know, they can't really be on the internet because it's crappy. You yeah. Because it was the reception. It was, it was terrible for us as well. That sounds good. You know, because um, a lot of my work I had to do via internet. And I had no internet. And... Um, you know, but that's okay. I mean, you know, that's how it is with this camp. Sometimes in the middle of nowhere, you know, you have to accept that there's no internet or yeah. the internet's slower. And the more kids are on campus, you know, like we had three other groups, three other camps, you know, so, but they left before we did. So on the last two days when we were there by ourselves, internet worked like amazing. <laughs> so that was pretty good because oh, that's when we had to upload people, yeah. all our stuff and the kids had to download this app. Yeah. Uh, to make the stop motion animation, yeah, this app that you need for it, you know. 
do you find, yeah, do you find it good for yourself? Like, wow, I'm gonna get out like a week with no internet. Yeah, I love. I mean, I love the camps. Um, I'm always nervous before I get there. Before, if I don't know the camps already, like this one was totally new to me, and it was like sick. It was in Bavaria, not Bavaria, in the middle of Germany. It was near Siegen. Okay. Um, so it was like six hours by train to get there and then another, you know, half an hour with the bus, uh, but we got picked up, which is, I took a taxi and then we got driven to Siebenk because the forest was like away and yeah. there was no, there was a bus going every hour or so. Um, no, I love it. Like, okay, for a week I can handle In summer I did in the same place two weeks in a row and then I had one week break and then I went back to the same place. It was also a forest between Berlin and Hamburg. In a, in a castle but that was great because it was a wow. big castle there was lots to do there there was archery there, there was uh, canoeing we did bike riding um but again it was in the middle of nowhere there's no shops so if you need anything you're pretty much stuffed you know you have to what catch did you it. do for food is it just already there oh yeah yeah they they provide the food they right, cook okay. breakfast lunch and dinner but just for example in between if you want something that the the, the it doesn't offer you know, um, like a beer or something. <laughs> like a drink. Oh, well, you know? no internet and no yeah, alcohol. Yeah, but then we managed because we, we managed because uh, yeah. we had um, we had ways of like kind of going into people going to town and you just ask yeah. them, can you bring me a bottle of wine or something? Or, you know, so. I just feel like the real, you know, like you really are going back like 100 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's trying kind to of get really like basic, wine yeah. off the black market. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. You know, you get me. <laughs> oh and you God, have to be wine. shush about it because, you know, if the kids see you, it's not that cool. So you don't want the kids <laughs> yeah, to realize that funny. you are actually ordering beer or, you know, like when the kids would come into our room, sometimes one kid couldn't sleep and, when we thought oh now it's past time and we would play cards and have a bottle of wine between the three of us just like like a few days ago and a kid would come you know like quick hide the alcohol you know but even though it was our time it was 11 o'clock at night the kids should have been in bed but we always tried to still like yeah yeah, not to show it and that we are we were kind of relaxing as well with the drink you know because it's impossible You, you need it like yeah you're so stressed out all day long you know, so involved yeah. with the kids and like, especially if it's a small team, only three of us, you know, yeah. we had like, this time we had 24 kids, so it yeah. wasn't so bad, but you have bigger counts of just 30 something kids, 40 kids, and you only have two or three people, you know, and that's really stressy because, you know, yeah, you've, yeah. you've got to arrange a lot, you've got a lot to do, you, you know, there's more kids, obviously, there's more, more, more work, you know, needed. I want to, I noticed, yeah. uh, so I did some research, and there was something, yeah. it was kind of uh, the cunt lab, but you don't do that anymore. That's an um, old thing. It's not so, I mean, it's just because we don't live in the same country. Like, oh, it wasn't here. Members, all uh, our members are, are spread out, like, there's probably one or two only living in Berlin at the moment from the whole group. Yeah. Some of them in Belgium, in England, because um, we have... I joined the Can Lab. It was there before. What, what is what well, like was it? It's like a feminist, queer, perform cabaret performance right. group that kind of celebrates the cunt. Everything yeah. there, like the birth, yeah. menstruation, uh, childbirth, yeah. uh, orgasms, um, everything to do with, with with the cunt, basically. So, um, so the whole thing is like. Um, 
it's basically the first show that I ever joined them where we basically celebrated the, the birth of humanity. So it was kind of this birthing ritual. And then, you know, you get born and then people get born without a gender specific. I mean, of course, like, you know, kids don't know anything about yeah. if they're boys or girls. And it's just yeah. like we were trying to show that it's the society that puts all these identities yeah. on boys and girls from the beginning. As soon as they're born, yeah. you know, girls yeah. get pink, boys get yeah. blue. So we're trying to show how ridiculous this is and how the society is the one that decides who you are from a very early age before and they don't let you experiment. For example, you know, kids used to like to play a lot with the boys, especially their dick girls used to like, you know, because they're babies or kids and they was always frowned upon and this, you know, so we're trying to sh show that freedom of the, you know, is already stopped already when you're still so innocent as yeah, a baby. Exactly. Already the society tells you, no, you shouldn't be touching your dick. Like, you know, there was, I heard cases where mothers would like tie up the hands of a boy who, you know, was playing with his dick all the time because mm. he was like saying, oh my God, he's like, you know, into, you know, it's like kids are innocent, you know, kids don't know anything about sexuality. Yeah, exactly. Babies. So it's that, not. Yeah. But then they get kind of stopped. Then they get their ideas formed by this normative society. So the kind lab was kind of, a, we're trying to show how stupid it was. So we were like using a lot of trans um, gender people in our performances. Oh, yeah. Like our, so a lot of our members, not using yeah. them, sorry. That's stupid thing to say. A lot of our members are transgender yeah. people. Um, and uh, yeah, and also we wanted to show this whole BDSM kind of, that's also can be a pleasure. Like we had a lot of uh, rope and bondage on stage yeah. um you know in a very playful kind of way um so basically we wanted to sh and everything we did was uh with uh female identified well women and female identified bodies um uh, everything we did ourselves um all the people we worked with as technicians or light people like you know whatever design or sound people was always females or female identified and we're basically like feminists and it was the Khan lab it was basically because that's that's the main thing of our show is the Khan like the stage yeah. design we design the stage as a cunt yeah you know and basically we come out like we show how we all come out out of a cunt yeah boys or girls <laughs> so it's know. still weird to think yeah and like <laughs> we don't realize this and so you know we kind of wanted to um accentuate that and um the main head the, the the person who thought of or who put the group together she used to live in berlin but she's moved away since two years this okay. is why there's not so much going on because yeah. she's not here that often and when she's here she's concentrating on other things okay. and also for her the kind lab is because it's her project um she, right, she's see, very so, yeah. kind of like only when she really wants to do it okay you know like we've had ideas since then we've had meetings we've wanted to apply for money we wanted to do more residencies we did one residencies in geneva in switzerland two years ago or was it last year it was last year for a week and that was really great um 
Yeah, but as I said, uh, one of the girls who was also one of the co-founders, she lives in London now. She's gone back to England because her mother passed away. and So that's why we're not really that yeah, active. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, which is a shame because I love this group, but it's just hard to get it going if the other two yeah, exactly, are yeah. busy with their lives somewhere else. You know? well, hopefully it'll come Yeah, again. Hopefully we get to do it again. Because we did some really great shows. Like, you know, the, the first time I, I was with them was like, five years ago okay 2014 and that was really like we're all living here it was really like this momentum we our shows were sold out everyone wanted to yeah. see them and because it was great the music was all put together by us right all the projections put together by one member of the collective and we were doing a lot of feminist shows we were doing uh, we did this Villa Curiosio where they had this oh. that's my fun yeah we had this whole week of um, they had a whole week of activities and performances circus based and then we were like close the festival with this huge performance that was sold out as well yeah so there's definitely the interest and we had people coming up to us saying we were just like oh I want to move to Berlin after seeing this show really? I want to move here that's you know? a quite a review yeah, yeah there's so. nothing there's nothing here like there's nothing like this where I come from in Canada yeah. or yeah. one girl from Montreal said yeah I moved to Berlin after seeing the Cunt Lab perform because wow. we're not pretentious we're not just a lot of queers I find the queer in Berlin. It's all about dressing up. It's all about being trashy. We actually were political. We had concepts. Yeah. We, were, you know, we were moving somewhere. We weren't just celebrating oh, the fact that we can be different, but we can be different with what we say, what how we perform, and with the concepts that we bring across. You know, and it's like we had this kind of a bit of a script. You know, to the performance, more bit of a script. We had a script, as you not script, but like uh, we wanted to. We had stages. Of the performance it kind of moved it was like a theater cabaret but not really because anything could happen on stage you know so we had spoken word which mainly me and another girl we did spoken word we performed we had the bondage we had we had a pregnant woman she was like in eight months pregnant was one of our performers as right. well and she was like you know singing on stage and kind of you know yeah she was almost we thought she was going to give birth any minute now um Yes. That would have been a performance. It would have been great, you know, sure. <laughs> the water's like, well, the sun like started to, to pour. Everyone's just like, wow, the effects yeah. here are great. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? We don't just go for the, for the queer, standard queer people. We actually involve like pregnant people, transgender people, um, bondage people, straight people, not straight, but queers. We, not we're not, straight. It's not no, just about, you. it's not just about, having fun and being weird on stage and the makeup mm. and wearing underwear and being naked it's not just about yeah. that we pushed it a little bit further and i think sometimes i get a little bit when i go to queer shows here it's in berlin it's great i love it we celebrate having fun we celebrate being different we celebrate about you know but i just feel like some groups just haven't moved on from that concept you know it's always about <sighs> looking weird and that's it you know and I think, I think the queer scene yeah. needs more than it has to go to the next level. I think you know? so, and and often I go to these queer spaces and they actually feel quite hostile. Yeah, and I, I, I can only assume that that's because for so long they had to be so defensive. Yeah. You know, they had to be secretive. Of course, they had to. They hate. They, you they know. hate intru not intruders, but they they not they don't feel safe if somebody new comes. Exactly, or... and I do feel that as a new person, it's actually yeah. 
you feel like they want to include you, but they, but just, they don't. They also yeah. and I can't I can't be hateful towards that. Yeah. But at the same time, it it's not encouraging to be in it. And well, I feel the same way. Yeah. So it's interesting you say yeah. that too. So the word bank radio show that yeah. still happens. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. um, and it's quite happy it's a, this is a berlin one so is it like a is it a radio station yeah it's a it's a pirate radio station okay. i mean we have this frequency uh and we have two days a month where we have we can uh broadcast podcast and and um uh, do radio shows under the 88.4 fm okay frequency. yeah i'm gonna yeah, right. And I write. But what's the name of the actual radio show? Uh, my show is called Word Bank Radio yeah. Show. That's my show. But there's other shows. We are a collective called Collaboradio. Ah, so it's not like there's one name for the station. No, it's not like on all the time. Yeah, it no, is. it's okay. only twice a month. As I told you, it's on ah. the second Tuesday, third Tuesday of the month, where the people in our collective broadcast from six in the morning till ten at night. Okay, I but see. But it's only you know two, two, two twice a month, and we are working under I think it's eighty eight point four, it's something like Alex. It's something to do two. with Alex TV. So you broadcast. It's a it's a frequency, but they give yeah. this time twice a month to us. Yes, and so it's twice a month, and when it you said it's like eight till six. What did um, you say? Mine is from seven till eight. My show on the second Tuesday of the month. But yeah. on the second and third Tuesday of the month, our, our collective, Collaboradio, has shows from 6 in the morning till 10 at night. So my show is scheduled between 7 and 8. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's live. I do it live, usually from... Do you uh, put them out as podcasts as well? Sorry. Yeah, it's on, it's on uh, collaboradio.de. How do you spell Collaboradio, like collabo, and then radio, one word. Collabo. And then radio, just one Radio, L. okay, radio. Radio, like radio, it's German. Okay. Only one L in collaboradio. Okay. Yeah. Uh, dot de, a D, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can hear um, the podcast or we're streaming that That's online. cool, yeah. 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 So yeah. So that's good because I have to you know, check that out. Yeah. Always trying to find. Yeah, you should come you. on my show. And yeah, talk I would about, love that. Because I always yeah. have different guests every month. So um, and uh, and this other friends of mine started another show. It's actually about menstruation, and it's on the same. It's between four and five. My yeah. show is between seven and eight. Theirs was between four and five, and I listened to their first ever podcast and they asked me to open the show i had a spoken word piece about menstruation and then i discussed a little bit because it's like a you know taboo subject and they want to open it up and have women yeah. from different backgrounds different ages and if who bring in different experiences it's it's a chat it's more yeah. like they sit around and chat yeah. about menstruation about their experiences yeah but they opened the show for you know i did a piece and they used my piece to kind of break into the show which was great I really yeah that's nice it's really nice of them um yeah because i have this 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 poem it's called um uh, my day and it's about you know like basically how you change before and during your menstruation how you like not really yourself 
because it's a different time of the month and you know but the society kind of is still sees you as like you're being unclean or you know and just all these other issues around menstruation like you know taxes on tampons and pads the fact that the cup is so expensive and um, you know the fact that in the old days you know you were considered to be dirty when you had your period weren't even allowed to cook even in really? africa mm, when they have their periods in many tribes in africa you know the women are um, separated while they have their periods in another, okay. in another hut so you know and also on tv you see these ads they never use blood when they <laughs> advertise no, no, pads no. and tampons they always use blue liquid yeah as if you know can it sure. at least be red liquid yeah yeah why yeah exactly <laughs> so it's just this time and also it's so hormonal that and also it's kind of um, you know, people say, oh, what, what's wrong with you? You've got on your rags, you've got your period as if, you know, that's when when you're mad. That's the only time when you can be angry or different, when you have your period. You say, no, I don't have my period. But, you know, it's just this kind of assumption that women are only angry and out of control when they have their period. And any other time they're really, you know, yeah. docile and well-behaved. and Or the fact that we can't know. control our emotions. Yeah. Yeah. when we're menstruating yeah exactly you know? that come on get yourself under control you know that kind of stuff and well you know some of us can't some of us are more angry or more annoyed and pmt that's just how it is and it's hormonal you can't do much about it you know and that was basically what the whole issues were discussed and you know what and i was listening to the show and one girl was saying um you know that in her family it was always celebrated it was like when she got her period they had a party for her her parents because mm-hmm. they were like kind of lefty hippie types you know so they had this pa- uh, rite of passage party because yeah. it was like oh now you become a woman you're yeah. becoming fertile so you know some feel really proud and feel great when they have their period yeah. it's like their time to be inward it's time for you yeah. it's me time where others it's like you know they hate it and because they have such bad cramps and you know they can't really function as well and you know and you can't just ring up your boss and say hey i can't come in now because I have my period, like you can when you have a flu. So do you know what I mean? There's just this kind even of... even a cold. Yeah, you know, so you always have to lie yeah. when you really feel like you can't go in, you know, to work. You don't say, hey, I've got my period. I can't come in. I've really got bad cramps. You just always make up some other excuse. Yeah. And why is that? Because it's not really seen um, like... How do I say this? It's not really... It's not like, it's not like a disease. It's not like we're sick, but, you know... You'll feel different, and but it's not really considered like uh, you should be excused then. Yeah, you no, know, I, you I know. You should be understood, mean. and you should be actually, um, yeah, excused from working or because it's just know. so often. Yeah, because it's not really talked about. Because no one, you know, no one really understands what happens unless you have radio shows like this or articles or you know, like a lot of the you know this this concept of the the period blood it has to be thrown away it has to be packed in pads and chucked in the rubbish bin you know so many other women now collect it and use it to make art with it or in rituals or you know they celebrate it you know what i mean like this is a new thing now that they're trying to do um you know instead of just chucking it away as if it's that but it is a lot of but it is this kind of poison that comes through the you know the, the 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 blood it's not like i would definitely not drink it but I know others would you drink your own blood my own blood I would lick it you know I've never bled that much that I could like have a cup of tea (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, when I have a cut or something, I lick it. It's not a big deal. Right. But yeah. Definitely, in my period blood. I don't think I would go as far as taste it. Like I know other girls have. I mean, I'll probably use it. Maybe I'm thinking about using it just to, you know, to make some art. Like to sort of like use it with the paintbrush. Go down on women when hmm? they're on their period. Yeah. Like it is a thing. I don't. Yeah. Is it? But do they normally get ill? I don't. I never really thought about it. Oh uh, well, not ill, but you know, you know, crampy, and you know. I so mean, it's I, actually not good for you to do that. Yeah. Okay. You know, and it's interesting. Well, not ill, but like it's it's kind of toxic. Mm. You know, a lot of I don't know. That's the thing. It's proven that it's it's you know that's how your body gets rid of all the, a lot of you know that's to do with you know when your when your womb gets yeah. renewed and all that and you know um, yeah. So I mean, it, it, people celebrate differently. Like to tell you the truth, I hate having my period, even though I should embrace it because it's a great thing. But I hate it because I get bad cramps yeah i get heavy periods um you know constantly i there's so many it stops me from doing a lot of things um you know because i constantly have to to the first two days i always have to change my pads more often so i'm always have to i can't go camping oh, or, you know this kind of stuff it's inconvenient yeah. where others just you know don't care or they don't have it so heavy they can cope you know and for me, it's always been heavy periods of, you know, they say with age, they get better, but they don't, they get worse. So, I don't know, but, you know, it's just maybe yeah. my body's just different. Cool. I have to check out that radio show then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the last thing is the poetry groove. The poetic po- groove. Poetic groove. Yes. Yeah. Poetic yes. groove. That's uh, right. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, it's been years now. Oh, well, yeah. It's kind of had a lot of facelifts. Um, <laughs> I started it with this other poet, uh, Rob Grant, who okay. is um, a Scottish poet who still lives in Berlin. We were doing this um, since 2010, 11. You wow. know, we basically had this idea, why don't we just put musicians and poets together? Yeah. You know, instead of just having just slams or just poetry where there's just, you know, poets, we wanted to have these uh, poets also improvising with musicians the other way around, but also introduce some, like, music to to the poetic show. But then we had to move homes all the time. Then Ricardo, who's our DJ, he said, well, why don't we do a derivative? I'm friends with those guys. Yeah. We can do it there. So we had our first gig there last month. How did that go? It was good. good it was yeah. good. Except the problem is it's... Um, the the thing is, it's he wants us done by 10.30 because it's right. a bar and it's right, Friday night. Yeah. A lot of people like start coming okay. and he doesn't want the also the loud music to be after 10.30 because of noise. And also he doesn't want, he wants people not to be put off by coming. They see that some yeah, they have to pay for a gig. But I said, well, look, after 10 o'clock, we don't even charge anymore. So it's kind of up to actually even quarter to 10. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want people coming in and out because it's poetry. Yeah, exactly. So. so Oh, that's the thing so he wants us to yeah. do it between 10 and 10 30 the latest you know yeah which is no sorry eight between t- eight yeah, yeah. and then 10 30 and then it's like it's friday night a lot of people only start coming out at 8 30 yeah we don't want to start like last time he wanted us to start at seven so i said look 7 30 at least the first yeah. few people the room only got full at nine o'clock and then it was halfway through the show already, you know, and then at 10, 10, 30, wanted us to stop, which we did, you know. So there's this kind of regulations and this kind of borders, which... And you want to keep on a Friday? 
I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've never had it on Friday. We always said it Thursdays, right. you know, or Sundays or Wednesdays. We've never really tried out Fridays. And I thought, well, Fridays could be because that means more people can come because they don't have to work Saturday. So we're testing Fridays. And it's now it's the last Friday of the month, the Purdy Group. So we've got this one okay. coming up. We're just testing it until yeah. the end of the year. If during the week he doesn't want to do shows which involve sound because he's worried about the neighbors, you know. So it's all like, I think they're Spanish. So they're not really like the bulliners that I know who would not give a shit who go, okay. well, you know, you moved here to the area, you know, it's live yeah. music, you know, it's a bar under you, stuff it. Yeah. Which there used to be the attitude for most places. Really? You know, people. Because they can what, call the police, but I don't well, know. Well, now they can. Now they have this power. But before people. Right. Didn't. Cops, you wouldn't even come if it was right. a, uh, they it was come a noise. Now. now they come. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, but so. I tell you, like in West Berlin, in the in East Berlin in the 90s, we had the club finished when the last person would go. And that would mean maybe that person wants to stay there for two or three days. You yeah. Know, because they've taken enough drugs to keep them up. And there was like bars in cellars, bars underneath flats. You know, there was yeah. never need for noise protection for people to, you know, SO36 has been there since more than 40 years, you mm. know. And all of a sudden, they almost, they got sued for noise pollution. They had to spend 150,000 euros to put mm. um, uh, noise protection kind of layers on their roof. So Is the, it SO36? Uh, this yeah. one, yeah, yeah. in Oranienstrasse. Yeah. And it's like... So, some yuppie bought the apartment above it's like what do you expect this club it's a club it's you know it's a club yeah. it's been there since the 70s you fit in you move yeah. into a neighborhood yeah, you move sure. about a club like yeah. you see new york in london the same so you want to live where all the stuff of is. of course you do but, but then you, you complain about yeah. it you know it's like doesn't make sense to me i live here yeah. since because i love the lifestyle i would never yeah. complain i mean sometimes we have tourists pissing in our doorway you know glass broken glass from tourists or people who just eat in our doorway at night and just leave all their dinner their chips in front of our door you know but that's i know that's how it is yeah yeah if i want peace and quiet then i look for a place where that can it offers me that there's plenty of areas in kreuzberg where or in new york where there's no bars or live somewhere else live in connections like uh, you You know you don't actually have to go too far out you don't live in chapter exactly i mean you want to be what's happening because it looks cool when you tell people yeah i live in okay and i live in kreuzberg i live in frigidstown i live in prince albert meter but then you can't handle what's going on therefore clubs shut down they've been there forever you know and then these areas become the areas you don't want to live there anymore because nothing's yeah. happening. That's what happened to Prince Alberg. You know, Prince Alberg was the most yeah, bohemian. I've heard about it. You know, yeah. it was happening. It was great. There was galleries opening up all the time in cellars, inside all places. I mean, it was anarchy at the time. I, I realized the world's not the same like it was back then. But at the same time, this is what made Berlin so great. This is what gave Berlin... The, yeah. the, the, the pulse that, that it has now, yeah. you know, all these little clubs that, you know, all these DJs who are huge now, all these performers who are huge now, that, that we all started in these small spaces yeah. because we had the space, we had the space to experiment in, we had the freedom and none of us cared about profit making, none of us cared about being famous, it was all about doing new things and pushing yeah. boundaries and trying stuff out to an audience who we know was going to accept it and appreciate it, you know. None of this kind of political correctness now that you do something that's empowering and somebody gives you a hard time about one little word that you put in there which and misunderstood yeah. the whole intention. And with this political correctness and these Facebook things and politics, people bring 
to a live gig it's like yeah the world isn't safe i'm sorry if i can't provide a, a safe space if you don't feel safe at a queer gig in a small club you know then i don't know where you would feel safe i'm sorry if you all of a sudden you don't yeah. feel safe because somebody said something and it's not just this gig there's other gigs i've been part of where people have complained not about me but about other performances and say oh i don't feel safe anymore here i'm not coming back it's like you don't feel safe in a squat or in a you know i'm sorry then yeah where is it safe then and the world isn't safe you should be triggered you should be actually terrified of the gig or you should be crying or you should be laughing because this is why you go and see a show you don't go and see a show that's predictable where you're gonna know nothing is you know gonna be said that's out of the ordinary yeah. or whatever you know what is then we don't that's not performance i'm sorry it's true yeah. you know performer's job is to challenge you to stimulate you to make you scared or to frighten you or to make you feel good that's true yeah. you know whatever your performance is but for you to come to a show and say, I don't feel safe here because somebody had a line in a spoken word or somebody put paint on their body and pretended to be this or that, where the intention wasn't that. It was just putting, you know, body paint on you. But, you know, now you can't do that because then you're mock mocking people of color as a performance artist. That used to be the first tool of a performance art to transform yourself into a, a different person, you know, yeah. by putting white paint or blue paint or brown or black. Yeah. Now you can't do that because you're mockery, you, you know, you're supposedly you're making fun of people of color. And it's like, excuse me, you know, it's performance art. Yeah. I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm, I'm, this is my body, my thing, my words. It's about me. It's not about you. You just watch me and get what you want out of it. But don't tell me I'm frightening you or I'm mockering you just because I don't paint my body. That's not my thing. But I know other yeah. performance artists who've had to stop that because it's, like, not cool, you know, to have been basically people walked out halfway through their shows. So I think this yeah, new I fascism mean, is coming, which is coming from the left scene as well. Oh, yeah. I know? mean, the whole sort of... How it's so acceptable to say cis men. Oh, God, and it's yeah. just like cis women. Uh, some straight guy who thinks he's queer now calls me a cis woman. Like, since what? You've been wearing a skirt since yesterday. Now you think you're a woman. Now you think you can call me cis. You don't even know me, you know? But you just assume, you know? But sorry. And I also, like, you. it's just like, yeah, some people are male and white and straight. Yeah. That doesn't mean... Yeah. I get where this term has come from. But I remember when I first heard it, I was like, what I, is I was it? really confused. What does it come, What does it mean? Actually, I don't even well, know. Well, because I was seeing it when I was applying for houses here. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, what yeah, is yeah, this? Yeah, okay. And I thought it must mean a term. <laughs> just from what I was reading, I was like, it must mean a term of like you know that that kind of guy that just you know kind of stereotypically gross guy yeah it must be a term yeah to describe that yeah yeah and then i looked up and it's like oh no it just means a straight a white male yeah. and then i'm like well, that's not cool yeah, to exactly. say that you you're not welcome just because, because you're born this way that's yeah. like any other racism exactly that's reverse racism not reverse ra yeah it is reverse bullying i'm sorry or reverse and racism like, you know i do meet men that are, are born that and they're yeah. not but because they they can't be, they can't you know they can't just be gay. Yeah. Or some of them are trying to work it out. You yeah. Just kind of see that they maybe they would be, but yeah. they, it's kind of like because because it's so easy for them to be accepted. Yeah. In yeah. the straight white male. Yeah. 
and it's so hard for them to be yeah. accepted by others. It actually pushes them to be, be more of yeah. those in yeah. with these yeah. gross. Yeah, men I understand types. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And well, I think it's yeah. you get gross women too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, of course you do. So I just I have a real issue with the whole how it's Labeling. okay to yeah. just say oh you're not no cis men. Yeah, I really have an yeah. issue with it yeah yeah well i find it really <laughs> i also that's what i'm saying this is why i think the queer scene has to move a little bit forward get a bit more political and not just just label things and i like the poetic group because there's freedom to yeah. introduce to have props to experiment with sound with words with projections now we have a projector i don't feel clicky yeah i think that's the word it's yeah. just like a clicky group yeah you know yeah, because we have different people all the time. Artists experimenting. Group. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so it's really nice. I'm looking forward to being on it. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to have you. I'm going to see if I can get someone... I sh- to film? To... Oh, uh, I was going to say film. Oh. Uh, someone to do some music alongside my poem. Okay. I might have found someone. 